Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire podcast. I have a very big announcement. My family and I, my younger two kids, and my wife and I are going to be joining Youth with the Mission as missionaries, and we're going to be leaving September the 27th. Um, uh, I've had people ask, uh, will the Kindling Fire continue? Yes, I plan to continue the podcast and the blogs and all the other things that I'm doing as best I can uh, as we are in training and then eventually going on to outreach. Um, if you would l- like to learn more about that adventure that my wife and I and family are taking, go to our website, Troy and Kathy with a K. TroyandKathy.com, or go to YouTube and subscribe to our Mangum Adventures channel. Okay, let's get to the podcast. How I was raised, um, I won't talk denominations, but how I was raised in faith, it was like there's so much emphasis on what you can't do. You can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. This is this is a, a, a t- terrible lifestyle choice. This is a sin. This is a that, right? It was all what you can't do. Uh, I mean... Not what you can do, yeah. and and I and I felt like that through this experience, it was almost like that God was saying, "Listen, I'm giving you choice. You choose what you think is best. I'll lead you and guide you. But whatever you choose, I'm going to bless you. Mm. I'm going to bless you." And that's what 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 He's done is that. Um, now I try very hard to align my life with with what God wants me to do, but sometimes you just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the faith walk. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on The Killing Fire, I am super excited to be sitting down with Dr. Tom Davis. Doesn't that sound formal? It sounds odd. <laughs> Doc, it's new. Yeah, very. So uh, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Troy. So um, Tom and I have actually got a mutual friend, Seth Barnes, with uh, Adventures and Missions. And we um, actually, I was heading over to Europe for work, and you were living there. And I said, oh, I got to, you know, hook up with this guy, meet him. And we had a good chat then. And so now it's many years later. Yeah, it's not every day you go to Europe and go, hey, I got a friend living there. <laughs> exactly. So that was, so you're living now in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been living there? July 20th will be three years. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so tell us a little bit more about, about yourself mm-hmm. and your family and, and what you do. Yeah, so ministry guy my whole life, still, but you know, now yeah. it's shifted a little bit. Uh, youth pastor, loved helping other, other kids who, who were trying to find their way throughout the world in, yeah. in Dallas. And then um, I jumped on board with an organization uh, that helped widows and orphans and became the president and CEO called okay. Children's Hope Chest. Okay. And that just, oh, when I went to Russia for the first time in 1997, I had never seen anything like that in my life. And it just, just broke my heart and ended up getting very involved with, with orphan ministry and advocating for orphans and, and wrote a few books 
um, yeah. about the orphan crisis and how churches and businesses and people can engage in really making a huge difference in the lives of orphans. We adopted. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the craziest things we ever did was my wife and I were 22 and 26, and we adopted an 11-year-old. Yes, from, that's from crazy. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Everyone said it, uh, but it worked out great. <laughs> so um, that was my that uh, my whole life. And then um, before, uh, how long did that go on? Uh, the the children's hope chest. Yes, piece? that was um, almost fifteen years. Yeah. Okay. So quite a yeah, while. Quite a while. And that was out of Colorado. I was out of Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah, and um, traveled all over the world and Africa, yeah. Russia, Haiti, India. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to you know find great people and great projects and sure, and, sure, and help change orphans' lives. Yeah, yeah. And those books, uh, what are their names? What was so, Fields of the Fatherless was the first one that I okay. wrote. Yeah. Uh, then Red Letters, right? Living a Faith That Bleeds. Um, I wrote a book called Confessions of a Good Christian Guy, but that, that didn't really have anything to do with orphans. <laughs> I said, uh, and then I wrote two novels because I wanted to put flesh on the statistics. Yeah. Uh, the first one was called Scared, which is set in Africa, a novel on the edge of the world. Yeah. And the second one was Priceless, which right. true stories from uh, girls who, who had been trafficked and right. it's yeah. more Eastern European. Wow. Setting, yeah. Wow. So you have not slowed down. <laughs> I did for a little, little, little while. So, 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 um, so obviously, I I met you sort of after all of that, and mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about what you're doing lately. Yeah, I, I think the good bridge is. So, I never thought I would leave Hope Chest, and I yeah. had an absolute train wreck happen in life. Um, it was, it was just. I don't know if you want to go into it, but yeah, sure, why not? Um, it was, you know, Hope, Hope Chest was my baby. I thought I would never, I thought I would retire doing right. that. Yeah. But what started to happen is that that the days of travel started compounding on themselves. And you're talking, you know, 200 plus days a year of travel. That is a lot of travel. And I had this this inner, like, turmoil of, of feeling like I was leaving my family on the altar. So I'm going out taking care of all these kids around the world, but my family was suffering. And... I was so tired. I was traveling so much because then I'd, I'd come home and I'd have a book tour, and so you know you're you're constantly raising money. It just never ends. Yeah, and, and I just got five kids, right? I have so well, and the two two adopted girls from Russia, seven. Okay, total. Yeah. All right, five biological, farm raised. You know, yeah. homegrown, <laughs> farm kids. raised, organic kids. Yeah, organic kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so you know that led to me kind of creating this whole thing in life where I said, listen, I'm not going to be traveling as much and. All this stuff, and and I came head to head with uh, a board member, and let's just say it didn't end well. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I had my own my own piece to to own in that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, I, I I was not I was not a victim. Yeah, um, but yeah, I totally get it. You, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I should have done things differently, but it just got to this place where it was it was um, uh, too toxic in that environment and it just it did it didn't it didn't end up being something that I thought was gonna happen in life. Right. Yeah. And 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 where that left me, I mean no no moral failure, nothing like that. I mean yeah. it was just yeah. Uh, just a, you always got to clarify that on Christian. I know podcasts. you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Because like, yeah. I mean, no, that's the first thing people. Think. I, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be like, yeah, it didn't go well. Oh, he had an affair. But but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's got to be what it is. Yeah, it's, no, I'm no, sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, but but you know, I think it's important to, as we kind of launch into this because I think sometimes people, you know, I've listened to several people you had on the podcast and great things they're doing and. Um, yeah. And and people, you know, there's times that we run into a wall and it changes everything, and we yeah. lose our identity, and that's what happened to me. I didn't know who I was. I mean, it, it even 
I was being asked to speak all over the place, biggest churches in town, all these things. And my whole identity is the CEO of Hope Chest. And I'm telling you that when I left Hope Chest, I mean, it was almost like, boom, the phone stopped ringing. Uh, and and I, I was I was having a hard time anyways leaving that, but I didn't realize how much of my identity was wrapped yeah. up in this. I'm like, Tom Davis who? Who am I going to be now? <laughs> you know, I'm not the orphan guy anymore. Right. And it was hard. I mean, it was a real, for many reasons, it was hard and, and it was gut-wrenching. And then just trying to, you know, leave that situation well and, and not knowing what you're going to do. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea where we were going to go, what was going to happen. Uh, I really didn't feel like I wanted to jump into, you know, traditional ministry again yeah. Yeah. at that point. So I, I was a, a hard thing for me. I mean, it really was. I, I had, uh, I'm not a super emotional guy in, 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 as far as carrying my heart on my sleeve, but I mean, I was crying all the time. I mean, I was, you know, like, oh man, this is great. I'm having, what is this? Is this what a midlife, starting a midlife crisis feels like? So it was hard. It was really hard. So that's what ended up getting us to move to Barcelona. Yeah. So let me, let me stop you there because you got such a fascinating story. Um, Now, looking back, did you see, do you see the hand of God in all of this? thousand percent. Okay. At the time, I, I never doubted God's leading in my life. Yeah. But I I have not known where in the world he was going to take me mm-hmm. or how it was going to look or I mean like that aspect of trust and just saying, you know what? And yeah. God if 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 you're in this, I just I need direction. I'll I'll run, but I got to know where you're calling me and yeah, what it looks like. The, the, immediately what comes to mind is when uh, the, the church was uh, early formed and then persecution started in Jerusalem and then they scattered. Mm-hmm. And in scattering, the gospel went to the other places. Right. They dispersed the community. And with that, the gospel went to other places. Now, at the time, they're like, this is the worst thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, if I was them, I'd be like, this is awful. Yet the Lord's like... It's the gospel is going out, right. you know. So it's just a matter of perspective. Yeah. It's just like, look, oh, for sure, he we don't it. always have his perspective. It's true. So he, he uses it. So no, um, and we didn't know what to do, um, but we had this. We felt like, hey, you know, what it boiled down to for us, Troy, was we, you know, we had a great house, foot of the Rocky Mountains, you yeah. know, all that you can imagine that that you know would make you comfortable. Right. And we were going to give all that up to move to a foreign country to follow this kind of ministry path. We didn't know what it was going to look like and in this adventure. And I was really moved at that point. I'd read it was actually in like the Wall Street Journal or Business Insider or something. But this whole article that was the people think it's things that's going to appeal to them. Now, mm. um, from a Christian perspective, we, we, we at least theologically reject that, some of us. But yeah. we still people, you know, we're clamoring. You know, we want the nice this, the nice yeah, that, yeah. the new yeah. big screen TV, whatever it is. I mean, we still do all that. But we, but, but that people in general think that that thing is going to provide meaning and fulfillment. It's not. It's experiences. So it was this whole article on experience over things. Mm. And so whether that experience is a mission trip. And the people or, with the most things will be the first to tell you, yeah, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, it's called hedonic adaptation. That's that's exactly the the psychological term, which as soon as you get something that you think, oh, this is going to really change my life or make me feel X, Y, and Z, and then you get it, it just, you get used to it very quickly and it's gone. Um, And and also this led to, and this will lead into what I'm doing now, is that that I had, when I was leaving Hope Chest, what I had is a values collision, okay? Mm. And I was taught this by a mentor of mine named Joe Bell about, about leading my life based on my values, and I didn't even know what they were, really. Mm. 
I mean, I would pull things like, well, I, you know, you know, yes, my faith is a value and yes, this, but, but I wasn't leading my life based on those values. And your values are really the most important things in your entire life. Hmm. Those are the things that, you know, when you die, that you want people describing what you lived for. Who was Troy? What did he live for? What really mattered? I mean, it's these core values. And so I was having a values collision, though I didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, taking me away so much and then wanting to be this person I couldn't be hmm. because of my work, what I was doing. So, so it was in the middle of this that my wife and I decided, you know what? And of course, Seth, you mentioned Seth. He was the one who was like, oh, you've got to move. You've yeah, got to do it. He is such you know? an instigator. Man. Oh, he was. Like, <laughs> he was like, I mean, he was, he he's was like great pouring that, gas man. on the fire. Yeah, he did. He did. You know, <laughs> just when you're thinking like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. Oh, no, you'll never regret it. <laughs> so, so, and he was, he was a big encouragement. But that, that was really, at the, at the end of the day, so we fun. thought, you know, we've got this opportunity with our family while our kids are still kids because they're quickly growing up. Now I have two of them really that are adults. Yeah. Um, and that this was going to be the last chance that we were going to have to do something crazy, get our kids to learn a foreign language. My wife's, you know, her great, great grandparents are from Spain. And we said to ourselves, you know, what? we're going to look back when we're 80. If we don't do this and go, man, I wonder what that would have looked like. I wonder what, what would have happened. The, so pause. The reason you're listening to this show is that you don't get to say those words. <laughs> that is my hope. That's exactly Period. right. No, I don't want to say those words. I don't either. And I think it's a huge encouragement to people. I'd say to anyone who's listening that you, you're having that that struggle. You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you got to do whatever it is. Like yeah. the adventure, that the call of the unknown, the call of the wild. I, I read this leadership book. It's always stood in my mind about like what true transformation is. And he says it's uh, Robert Quinn. He says it's like walking naked into the land of uncertainty. Like you have no idea, right? Right, but it's the greatest adventure of your life, right? Because you know that. I mean, that's what you're about to go through. Yeah, that's absolutely. And and you try to make as many of those things fit, but then you get there and you have no idea. Yeah. And so so we did it. We bit the bullet and we trusted what God was doing in our life. And we literally like, I mean, it was a it was a fire sale. We gave stuff away. I mean, from the time we made the decision to try, I'm not even kidding you. The time we made the decision, which was like late April, till the time we were gone. Everything sold, house rented, gone, everything done, visas approved, everything was less than four months. Yeah. You got, I remember talking to your wife about it and she was like, I was like a man, woman on fire. Yeah. She just was like, we're doing it. We're doing it. And we did. <laughs> Packed everything we had up in one giant suitcase each. And then, and then we, we moved to Barcelona in July, three years ago. Yeah. And so, um, now you've got some amazing stories on that journey, but but getting to uh, well, actually, I do want you to tell. I, I just such a good story. I can't, you can't not tell it. Tell a little bit about some of the storylines with the kids, because there's been some crazy stuff happening with your kids. Yeah, really crazy. And, and going into it with the warning that something bad is going. I mean, you were being told by others bad things are going to happen with your kids. Right. When we laugh, because there's always the dream stealers, right? <laughs> That's you a great way to put it. Throw water on your, on your, um, your vision. And, um, so we were told all of this when, when we went, but you know, I'm kind of hard headed, so I didn't listen to any of that anyway. Yeah. But, but to, to transition this, so we move, move to Barcelona. We're going to do this ministry piece with adventures and missions and yeah. do all this leadership and discipleship training with world racers. But we get there and we pull up <laughs> and uh, literally like the cab pulls up to the place where we're living and now you got to understand, this is the city. It's not three acres in Colorado. Yeah. And there's graffiti, especially when, you know, they pull the store. There's like these steel things that come down to cover the stores Yeah. that they paint graffiti on them. Some yeah. of it's really nice, some of it's not. We kind of pull up, 
buildings everywhere. Kind of, it looks like like the grotto a little bit, the ghetto a little bit. Yeah. And my kids think I'm joking. They literally are like, and they'll tell you the story now. They thought that I was going to go. I'm joking. This isn't where we're living. Go to the real place. No, that was the place. <laughs> and so, and it was an, a flat, an apartment, and there was no air conditioning unbeknownst to me. And it was the hottest that it had been in like 20 years. No airflow. I mean, we were, I tried to go to the place and, and buy an air conditioner. Oh we, yeah, we'll, we'll get that in in four months. I mean like, so all of this <laughs> super hard things. My kids cried for six months. They, they went to a Catalan school. So they don't just speak Spanish in Barcelona. It's Catalan because it's one of the most fiercely fought independence yes. issues in the world. Yeah. So the schools are all in Catalan. The teacher did not speak one word to one of my kids the entire semester. Oh, no English as a second language kind of program. Catalan as a second language doesn't exist. Throw you in there, sink or swim. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it was hard. And but here, let me tell you one thing that we noticed. I could do a whole pod- podcast. No, I'm this. sure. Yeah, we, we got time. So in we... the midst of everything we were doing, we were trying. I was trying to do because I come from a hard background, really difficult background as a yeah. kid and broken family, all of that stuff. But. Um, we were trying to give our kids everything so they didn't have to suffer. We wanted yeah. them to be comfortable, have everything, their own room, their own this. Now, we didn't put TVs in their room and computers yeah. and all that. But, I mean, as much as we could provide, we were trying to give them a leg up from where we had come from. Yeah. What we didn't realize is that all that comfort was doing was making them afraid. And I think this is what's happening a lot with a generation right now. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid to step out. And we didn't even know it until we got to Barcelona. And now they don't even want to go right down the road to buy groceries because they feel like they don't know how to do that. Um, They don't know how to get to practice. They don't know how to uh, uh, figure out small strategical things. I've got my 16-year-old son who's crying on the couch because he doesn't want to go to school because it's hard. I mean, my wife and I literally were like, oh, my gosh, in the midst of trying to give them everything, we, we haven't we made them weak. We have made them weak. The a concept of do hard things didn't exist. And it wasn't, we, we didn't plan this. It just happened. Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the blessings was is that they had to go through hard things. Yeah. Some, some of them harder than we would have liked them to have yeah. been through. Yeah. But they are completely different, completely transformed at this point. And, and we've said this, this phrase, it has been the hardest but the most unbelievably incredible thing we've ever done in our life as a family. Yeah. Wouldn't change it at all. Wow. So with the kids, just a little bit, that's what I want to that, tell that's, that, that's that so good. There's gold in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and, and again, we had to trust, oh trust God with all this stuff oh, because we have five very different personalities yeah. in, in, in our family. Very different. And yeah. we have kids about every two years. So now suddenly we're all on top of each other, right? No one's going to wait to their rooms anymore. We're in one tiny little living room. Yeah. Um, our kitchen well, was as big as, this is no lie. That kitchen was smaller than my closet in my master bedroom. <laughs> that is a fact. That is a fact. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, like, we, you know, we're, we move in, and it was a missionary place that they kind of used to host missionaries yeah. and stuff. And that's how yeah. I found out about it. I knew one person in Barcelona. And the kids were like, man, you know, about four or five days, I'm just getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. I'm like, there's not that many mosquitoes around here. I, I don't have mosquitoes. Like, let, me, let me see. I'm like, oh, no, bed bugs. Oh, God. They had dumpster dived the mattresses. Oh God! Because everything you get there is is furnished for the most part. Not everything, but for the most part. So this place was furnished. So you know these were the hard things they were going through. But then it, it kept evolving. And um, one of my sons, 
all of a sudden, I mean, you know, great things started happening. After that six-month mark, okay, yeah. six months were miserable, they loved it because the freedom, they were learning about themselves. It's a very safe city. They eventually figured out the bus systems they figured or out whatever. They could do it. They figured out that they, they had the ability to, like, you know, actually not know how to do X, Y, and Z and, and figure it out and learn a new language and, and make yes, new friends yes, and all, yes. all these kinds of things. It's amazing. And, um, and so... My, my middle son actually through a crazy set of circ- circumstances. Kudos but. to you for enduring. <laughs> because there's a lot of a lot of parents would be like, Johnny's suffering, pull the plug. Yeah. Right? It, because it's not gonna end well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I have this statement I, I teach in leadership development that you know, we always we we grossly overestimate what we can do or what can change in a short period of time. Mm. And we we really <laughs> miss it on the other side of the spectrum. We underestimate the great things and the transformation that can happen in our lives, lives of our kids or whatever in a, in a longer period of time. Yeah. But what you have to point. do and what people miss, and I think this is what you're at, is this, this phrase I have is one of my favorites. Consisti- is, consistency is the mother of mastery. Mm-hmm. What you do every day matters far more than what you do once a week, once a quarter, once a year. And so we give up too soon. Mm-hmm. Right? What's the difference between someone who's, who's super successful and somebody that isn't? Not that they probably are any more talented or skilled. They just stuck with it long enough until they got successful. Yep. Right? The other, uh, others gave up too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so after six months is when we started to see really great fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think one of the things, one of the stories is that um, yeah. my, my son was playing um, soccer there. So uh, they played their whole life. Our two yeah. girls were playing volleyball for FC Barcelona. Yeah. You know, the big team. Yeah. And yeah. then our three boys were playing soccer. And of course, they all tell you, oh, Barcelona is the best soccer in the world. Nobody can, you know, make it in Barcelona as an American because you just, you're not up to speed. Right. And so that's what, that's what you're told. Well, my one son, who is old, going there, makes a great team, is doing phenomenal. Well, lo and behold, one of, the, one of the agents for the biggest American football player, soccer player, I'm sorry, I say football now because I'm over there, <laughs> in the world, happens to see him and gets very interested in him, a believer by the way, gives me his card, and at the bottom says, it's Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. <laughs> um, anyways, foreshadowing. Through, this, through that relationship and a series of events, he gets invited and makes the United States national team for his age group. <laughs> would have never happened in the U.S. I mean, it just wouldn't have, because he, yeah. was, he was overlooked constantly, and, but it was just one of those things that God used to... Um, I, I think, you know, fuel him with this, this faith that God was with him and he was on this road of struggle, struggle, but, but hadn't been forgotten and all this. And well, lo and behold, after he makes the United States national team, two weeks after he goes back to Barcelona and the 93rd minute of a game, which is the end of the game, a kid goes studs up, cheap shot, breaks his leg. We're not even there. We're at the game. He got pulled out of the game. And so we went across town to our daughter's volleyball game, get this phone call that Gideon has passed out on the field. In broken Spanish. I'm like, what? Breaks his leg. I mean, you talk about like, oh, he was supposed to be on trial at all these big clubs in Germany and the Bundesliga. I'm thinking, I just, I, and, and he's, he's a kid. He, you'd love this kid. I mean, he's such a great kid. He's just wonderful. And you're like, Lord, what is going on? And so, um, well, he fought back, you know, after having that, that horrible surgery with a titanium rod oh, in his yes, leg. Yes. Which you know. Yes, I do. Uh, one of your kids. God bless you, Rain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, That's just my daughter. Awful. <laughs> and fights his way back, gets invited back to the U.S. national team three more times. Um, he's technically in the rotation for the U20 World Cup. But, you know, he, he got put back a little bit, and um, it was just hard for him. But now he's graduating high school, had no idea what he was going to do. But, I mean, he'll tell you, I mean, he's fluent in Spanish. 
he's completely, you know, transformed his life in so many ways. This is the comfort centered kid. Yeah. Um, because, and, and now he like, he takes risks and he's not afraid and he leads with faith, not fear, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he just got an unbelievable scholarship, very generous to a very nice school, um, to play football. And then because of his academics, cause he's like a 3.9, yeah. some odd grade point average. Yeah. And he got, he got, uh, he got accepted into the school of business. So, which is kind of the elite, you know, only yeah. a handful of people get accepted into this business school. And so, yeah, he's leaving in three days. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know that he would have had these opportunities. You know, he's going to start as a freshman in a Division One school that got third in the nation. Yeah. Yes, and so, is. you know, this is... And this is soccer football, by the way. <laughs> yes, soccer football. Soccer football. So, you know, and it, God's done something like that with each of our kids. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's got other stories with other kids and what opportunities. It's been amazing. It really has. So, yeah, I I just love that story. So, so get so get into a little bit of um, kind of what you have really focused in on, and then we're going to yeah. kind of talk a little bit about your expertise in a particular sure. area of positivity. So, for twenty some odd years, um, as a nonprofit guy. You know, there's a reason they call it non-profit. (laughs) (laughs) The harder you work, not necessarily the more you make, right? It doesn't work the same as in the business world. But what I would do to to increase my skills, but also to make some money on the side, is I did leadership development consulting. Uh, Companies from New York, Scottsdale, California, everywhere. And so I did that for over 20 years. Yeah. And so when we were there in Barcelona after a year, we felt like um, we felt like we just didn't want to. I'm really f- great at raising money for other things and organizations. I'm very talented at it, <laughs> but raising money for myself, I'm not really that good at. <laughs> and I didn't really want to do it, um, honestly. And and so what I decided is I, I, I we prayed about it and decided something crazy. I'm gonna start a leadership development company with the goal of having the best leadership development program in the world, right? That's my, that is my vision. So I want to have the best leadership curriculum in the world that transforms people's lives because I've seen the power of it. It's been, it's been amazing. So now who does this, right? Starts a company from Europe? I, I don't, I mean, I, you do. You, you, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and God helps, obviously, a lot. <laughs> so that's what I did. I have a company called Leaders Elevate. It's leaderselevate.com. And um, it's about transformational leadership. It's about helping people. It's behavioral driven. So um, understanding the key things in life that mean the most to you and living the rest of your life through, the, through that window. And then also learning from like my, my doctorate is in this whole area of positivity, lots of neuroscience studies, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but, but really helping people create that long-term change in their life so they can really be the person that they want to be. What does that take? What does it take from changing your brain and yeah. understanding how your brain functions and getting rid of bad habits and instilling new ones and all of these pieces. So I literally put together the best leadership curriculum I had taught over the years, along with my own research that I was doing in my in my program. And literally the first client that I got was Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so I couldn't believe it um, and then ended up being one of their, you know, Top people, and so um, now I get to work with amazing companies like that, um, like Coca-Cola. That's yeah. why I'm here in town. Yeah. Um, like um, multinational steel companies in Europe, and yeah. uh, I mean it's just a- across the board. And real estate companies, airline companies, uh, yeah, airline yeah. company in Europe that is is one of my great clients. And I do CEO coaching as well, but I really focus on the team development side. Yeah, and yeah. so I put them through this really intense deep dive process. Process. It's a 10-month process. When they sign up, they sign up for 10 months. Yeah. That creates long-term, complete life transformation. So the question I wanted to ask you is, um, 
you're focused so much on, on positivity, mm-hmm. but was that your transformation? Meaning, did you were you uh, were you born positive? Have you always been positive? Was this something mm-hmm. you had to work at? Like, what, what, tell me a little bit about that that genesis of, of a lot of that. A big yes to. It was something I had to work on. Um, yes. Um, and in fact, you know, be careful when you call yourself a positivity coach. Because that's one of my, uh, when I first started, I had blogged, you're positivity coach. And I have a Facebook page, you're positivity coach. Because my kids would remind me, Dad, that's not very positive. Oh, Mr. Positivity Coach. Like, you're right. You're right. But hey, I'm like 70% at least better than I used to be. I'm going to pause the conversation right there and pick it up next episode. See you then. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the Firestarters, which is a Facebook Messenger community I let know first anytime I do anything. You can also get a book there called You Can Certainly Do It that I've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that God's starting in your life. Uh, In addition to that, you can sign up for the seven-day Bible devotional, Become a Sign and Wonder. And as always, be awesome. Hey, if you like the podcast and you want to show us some love, we're on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. Uh, go follow us there, and I put some cool stuff in the Insta stories, and uh, it would be cool to interact with you there. So just a reminder, follow us on Instagram, and be awesome.